Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. impression of Corey. fuck yeah um boobs and bush boobs and bush <laughs> seinfeld star star wars star wars star wars <laughs> boba fett boba fett, boba yeah. fett. That, that. <laughs> those are all spot on guys those are all spot on impressions uh we're gonna have to keep this in here um David Irons is joining us once again on Tales from the Video Store in the month of July. July Sholin month to talk about Jill Sholin, memories of Jill Sholin in the video store. Not her being in the video store, but... We could only wish. We could only wish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David, welcome back. When you last joined us, you sort of uh, regaled us with a tale of you sort of robbing the place that you worked um, it's come up a lot in uh, in other in other tales we share. <laughs> we share your story all the time. People are like, "Whoa, this guy sounds wild." <laughs> yeah, that happened. That happened. I lived it. I was there. Um, that's good. I, I'm glad people find some enjoyment from it, as um, as much as I did taking all the uh, cardboard standees for those great 80s movies we love and cherish. It's a good one. In fact, I would encourage you to incorporate that into a short story if you haven't already. It's The insane thing is there's lots of things that kind of happen in my life and people say, you should put that in something. And it, and I'm because I've lived it, I'm not interested in retelling it. <laughs> like for you guys, when, when, when you got, like for this, for you guys, it makes sense because you asked me, oh, you, any video store tells? It's like, oh yeah, sure. But most of the time I'm, I'm writing stuff it's just I, I i see two things it's it's like the wheelchair camp thing it's just like i want to do a camp thing we saw a documentary on netflix about uh, a, a real wheelchair camp i was like that's a great slasher let's go with that and then my mind just wanders off down this alleyway of like let's create this thing rather than real life stuff that this kind of happened to me i mean there's always an element of things 
from the reality that gets peppered in them. But, of course. Yeah, but I, I'm not too... I probably should. I probably should. I probably should do it. You I think you your life is not interesting to the readers? I mean, we want to we wanna know about this stuff as a guy who... Robbed a video store. He works in a video <laughs> store all day. Then he wants to be an yeah. actor, so he dresses up in different costumes like a mummy. <clears throat> and he's oh, okay. represented yeah. by Warwick Davis. This is a true story, by the way. And uh, yeah. I hope I'm not sharing too much, David. It's I hope that's it's okay. fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very... Um, I, I pretty much keep myself to myself until asked about things. Um, I really do. I mean, look at my social media. I, I, when I take pictures for Instagram and Facebook, it's all that way. Yes, nothing's really that way on there. Um, and uh, there's people in my family. I've got a niece who's exactly the same, and you, you see her Instagram. It's just she takes pictures of things, and she's like early twenties. But she's and my sister says she's very similar to you in that way. Well, I didn't think about myself being that way until my sister pointed it out. I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of I get it. I suppose I am. I suppose I do do that. Yes, yeah. I am that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the reality is we could turn Tales from the Video Store into a short story anthology and probably have some you of the should. most amazing short stories that people have written. You should. I would buy, I would 100% buy that book. If that popped up on Amazon well, saying Tales from the Video Store, real life. You'd be in that book, yeah. so you wouldn't have to buy it, but... But but you but just from a marketing perspective, <laughs> oh. right? There's an audience. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely an audience for. Well, speaking of books, you have a new book that just came out, Cockblocker. Not every romance is a heart stopper. I do, I do indeed. Now you it's talked doing about very it well. on, on. You've talked about it before, but we're talking into you're talking to us about it on Tales for the first time. What is uh yeah. what is what is Cockblocker about? Um. A homicidal cheerleader in the 90s is obsessed by Stay by the Bell and is reluctant to accept the guy at her high school who she thinks is her, Zach Morris, is actually gay. That's good. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> yeah, it, it's something. It's very John Waters. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Um it's and it's very 90s it's very 90s it's a very uh early 90s novel um but yeah it's it's and it's doing very well it's doing really well and it's getting good feedback on it and like we, we said on podcasting after dark it was all about am i treading into an area here where this thing could bite me in some way and uh my publisher in spain he run it through their version of it's glad isn't it that's what we that that, that um that's what you call it, isn't it, Zach? I believe so. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and he ran it through those guys and they and they came back and gave it thumbs up and said, just put this thing out there. And yeah, people people really like it. People really like it. Oh, it's done very well. Um it is. That's very much nineties nostalgia and, and, and quite heavy on it. It's, it's set in ninety three, so which I think's a good year for the nineties, really. I think that was a turning point. I think things change to that other version of the 90s where it's a bit more i think so too i i'm trying i'm starting to come to the realization that I, I used to have this very firm opinion that the 90s in general were not a good decade for nostalgia or pop culture or music or anything related to that movies etc when you lived in the 90s you mean no well, kind of yeah <laughs> like this 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 well, uh decade never sucks. gonna be uh nostalgic to anybody <laughs> Well, it's funny you bring that up because I had a friend in the 90s named Tom Benante who worked with me at Video Man, this German guy who'd come 
he 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 when i first met him he goes i love america america's so great it's the greatest thing on the earth like everything in america's amazing and then you go to germany for a couple weeks he'd come back home oh america sucks germany's the best german has yeah. german music everything's great and then he'd go to germany again come back America's so great. Germany sucks. Like you go back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> I'm holding true with the idea that the the 90s, I used to think the 90s sucked in general. Now I'm like, no, actually, there's a lot to love from the 90s. Case in point on our show, we've had so many 90s movies recently that we've talked about or like right on the cusp. There's a lot, but I think it taps out as you get towards the uh, the end of the decade. I think something quite interesting that I've seen is that a lot of younger people you know, like we were kids in the eighties, and I think a lot of the kids that lived through the nineties have a nostalgia for the nineties, but with a a view for the eighties. They kind of see this in a different. We we were a complete. We were teenagers at that point, so we was experiencing something completely sure. different. Yeah. And then the kids from the nineties, that they're, they're very much, they look at things in a completely different way. Like the, like like we're saying, like the Saved by the Bell stuff. That, and that's a lot of people you say about Saved by the Bell and they think that's an eighties show, but it's a nineties show. Right. Yeah. And I and I think that there is this this there's a there's a natural bleed through generations of that eighties nostalgia that goes into the nineties. But I think when you get to the end of the nineties, that's that that is definitely going into the two that you're definitely that's when you start limping with the biscuit. That's when you start going down that road and you're like, okay. Uh, what was yeah. the first year of Saved by the Bell though? Was it was it ninety proper? 80? Well, they, it was it was um, Good Morning Miss Bliss, wasn't it? There was right. another show before. That was the spinoff. Yeah. And that that was eighties. That was eighties. When you go back and watch it, they're tiny. They're just tiny children. Oh yeah. And then yeah, and then that was kind of the official season, unofficial yeah, season. Yeah, because nobody really watched that. Saved nobody. Nobody watched. No, was yeah, that yeah. was I, I, was she the was that the teacher or the what do you call it um the the movie where Parent she plays Trap. Parent Trap. Parent Trap. Yeah, Haley Haley <laughs> Haley yeah. Mills or Haley is that her name? Yeah, I don't know. Was she the star yeah, of that? She was. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And then then as you went into the night, well, you think of the the, the visuals of Saved by the, the opening. They're very eighties kind of pop pink right. neon visuals. Absolutely. And 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 everyone thinks it is an eighties thing, and so then some of the shows molded after that. Like, you had, do you remember USA High? Do you remember that show? Vaguely, no. no. It was the the theme the theme song was like rocking at USA High. Oh yeah, I know that song. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I knew you'd know that song, Greg. I knew that would ring a bell. I know you're a musical man. Yeah, <laughs> um, musical man. <laughs> he's a musical man. Um, yeah, yeah. There was USA High and um, what was that? Um, California Dreams. I remember that California one. California Dreams. You remember yes. that one? That, that, yeah. Those were kind of bookended um, at one point. Yeah. yeah and then from that, you went into stuff with a bit more depth. To, I mean, I, I would say Boy Meets World is something with a bit more depth than Saved by the Bell. There was a bit more relevance in the drama to the teenagers. Where Saved by the Bell was like, this week, Screech's in a wheelchair with machine guns hanging out the side. What wacky well, thing is he going to do now? I don't know, the, the caffeine pills or whatever, that's still, that's <laughs> you don't get much more dramatic than that episode. I'm so excited! I mean, that's, that, yeah. that's award-winning. Was the was the episode where Zach Morris uh, dresses up in, uh, he appropriates uh, indigenous people's... Oh, he does. Is that, was that, yeah. was he, did he learn a lesson in that episode or was that just like, oh, it's fine? 
I think we learned a lesson about Zach Morris in that episode. Okay. There was a clip show called like Zach Morris hates everyone or something like that, yeah, where someone would it, take, yeah. you know, they would take bites from the show and mash it up. So it makes it look like he's a, either a, you know, an asshole. Well, <laughs> he was, he's an ass. you know, yeah. Yeah. something like that. Yeah, he is. It doesn't take much to make Zach Morris look like an asshole when you cut those clips together. Nope. It, it, it's, no. it's, 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 you don't have to add much to it. Just take away. And it's like, okay, yeah. Who is this guy? So do you have a Zach Morris character in your book then? That is that, is that the, the main <laughs> character? Do you want to know something? Next to me right now. Where is it? Talking of Zach Morris. Can we see this? Mark Paul Gassler is next to him right now. Oh, oh look at that. Look at that. Look at Meet me at the max. Phone. That's great. It's <laughs> great. I, I kind of am a uh, yeah, a Saved by the Bell fan. It made it very easy for this for this book to happen, where she's Saved by the Bell um, obsessed. Because my my publisher in Spain, he, he was saying to me like, "Well, you you've used so much. There's snippets of dialogue and scenes for where she's watching Saved by the Bell, mimicking what's happening on the screen, and going, oh, gee whiz, I just want my life to be like this.' And and he he took this, and because obviously he's seen it in Spanish." And he said, I have no idea what these episodes are. You're just blowing my mind. I'm trying to figure out <laughs> the translation of this episode from uh, English to Spanish to a book. Um, it's this, and make the dialogue once it's translated work in the book at the same time. So I had nothing but apologies to him for that. But he did it. He did it. He got there in the end. He hated me at the time, but he got there in the end. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think Say by the Bell for me is one of those shows where I inadvertently have seen every single episode. Like if you ask me like, do you like yeah. that show or whatever? I'd be like, yeah, I guess so. And then I'd think about it and I'd be like, I've seen literally every episode of this, of the series. <laughs> Did you watch the college yeah. series when they went to college? Mm-mm. Of course. I always thought the teacher, do you remember that there was the coach, the big guy yeah. with the beard and the, I always thought that was Kane Hodder when I was a kid. Uh, I was like, oh, it's Kane Hodder. They kind of looked really similar. He did. And then I got him confused with Lyle Alzado. Uh, but I think his name is like I'm I, I'm not looking it up right now. Bob Golick or something like that. He's a former NFL right. football player yeah. as well. But he had that type. He looked a little bit like John Matuzak, Lyle Alzado. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys were I think dead at that point from steroid abuse. Um, and Bob Golick I think was <laughs> the next in line to fit the bill, fit the T-shirt. You know, the mate or Kane Hodder. Or Kane Hodder. He was too. Bu- he was too busy wearing a hockey mask. Well, in in Cockblocker, your movie, the movie version of your book, if when that gets made, wink, wink, um, <laughs> Kane Hodder can play a teacher in that. I love Kane Hodder. I read his um, autobiography recently. He's a really interesting guy. He's a really really interesting guy. There's the. Uh, it was a good book. Someone. It was just a recommendation. I put a post up on Facebook saying, "I, I want an audio book. Give me an audio book. What's what's good." And someone said, "Listen to Kane Hodder's autobiography." And it's re- it's really good. Does he he's like, narrate it himself? He does. Yeah, yeah. And and he goes into the because where where I, I write a lot of this stuff, um, I try and put myself into that point in time because it's always retro stuff. And I always write this stuff um, so much. It's an eighties slasher type thing. I'm I'm writing. I watch a lot of eighties slasher type stuff and. I'm just doing Wheelchair Camp 2, which is very is, is a late 90s <laughs> slasher. So I've gone into it and started. The, the tagline, Dustin, is um, <laughs> don't go to Wheelchair Camp 2. You can roll, but you can't hide. <laughs> you can roll, but you can't hide. That's yeah, genius. You can roll, but you can't hide. Um, but I always put myself into the 
into that era. So that was that's set in the late nineties. So I'll start. I watch a lot of late nineties teen films, slasher films, just to get my head in the right space. Yeah. And um, I, I went back and I watched uh, Freddy versus Jason, which is which is early two thousands, but it was in that kind of oh boy era. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, 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 and it was interesting because Kane Hodder does get into that, and I didn't think he would as much as he did in his book, but he does bring it up about. I mean, yeah, I, you really feel for the guy by that point, where because he basically just got blanked by ghosted by New Line Cinema. They just, mm. they just, just that was it. He got he got a script. This is going to happen, and he was ready to do it. And then he just gets n- noticed that oh yeah, they're already filming it. It's happening. They've recast the role, and 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 you can tell it was a a, a big blow to him in his life at that point. Because yeah. he because he did. He, I mean, we didn't see this stuff over here, and uh, obviously you can look it up in on youtube but the arsenio hall stuff when he dressed up as jason he was interviewed on there and he said he really embraced that character and tried to make it more than the other actors did and you can tell there was a passion to mm. it with him and just to have it taken away like that he really goes into it in the book which is it's interesting it's interesting to hear it's it's, it's interesting to hear and it's also kind of scary that you're talking about stuff like freddie versus jason in the re- this is retro now this is nostalgia this is this is a thing from the past yeah because I do remember that very vividly when that came out, and in my head, there's a part in my brain that just says, "Oh, that's a new film. That's a newish film. Uh-huh. That's a recent film." Yeah, from t- twenty years mm-hmm. ago. Right. Yeah. Well, it's tricky because, you know, Robert England personified Freddy Krueger because he had dialogue, but then I don't think mm. people necessarily, you know, they didn't do that with Michael Myers, obviously, in the Halloween films, and and Jason when he doesn't talk as well, but Kane. I'm, I've met him at Fangoria conventions and he's conveyed the same message that he had a love for that character, really thought he put a lot more depth into the character. And how many times have we had people on our show, Dustin, that we've interviewed where they wanted to infuse, I'm thinking of Brian Thompson specifically, wanting to add more depth to a character, wanting having more insight, doing more research, but then the movie just gets made and all that stuff gets thrown out the window but then you hear yeah. from the actor's perspective, they're like, but I I did so much more for this character than what you saw on screen. Well, I think the fact, too, is that Freddy did not have a mask. So already there's that connection with the audience. You can you can just see everything. You can see the emoting, even if, even if Freddy didn't speak, which would be weird. But, um, you know. That would be really versus weird. Yeah, versus uh, Jason and Michael Myers, who are, you know, just masked and you don't really know you you don't know what's going on under there that's true i think i think it's interesting when you look at those guys under the masks is it it doesn't take much to make that character but the things you're dealing with have to be right for the audience to accept it and you because because you know from looking at those films you know when you're watching it and you have like a bad like in halloween h2o that's a pretty bad michael myers in halloween h2o yeah the way he just flips and flops around. And it's kind of almost scream-inspired, mm. the way he moves in that. He doesn't move like the Michael Myers. Like, you go back to the John Carpenter one. There's very definite movements uh, with what made him that character. And when you start cheaping out and taking things away, it really it really does hurt them a lot. But Freddy versus Jason, when you look at that, that you've ne- in most of those films, you didn't see Jason's eyes through the mold, only in the early ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was just like black voids. And in Freddy versus Jason, they made a point of being able to see his eyes. Mm-hmm. Under- they wanted to, they wanted to emote his, his, um, well, it was, he, 
they didn't want him to be the protagonist, but they wanted him to be the more relatable one and the softer of the two with more emotion because of his backstory drowned as a kid and they want to try and play on that. So they, they wanted a, an actor with, with emotional eyes to play Jason. So this is, you're moving too far away again. This this isn't what it's supposed to be. It's, you could have done this through movement. You don't need to see those eyes. That that Those eyes throw it. From, like, like you were saying, Dustin, like you said, like with Freddie, that is, is the face. It's the face, it's the voice, it's Robert Englund. But you don't need to see anything with a human characteristic really with jason because it no. takes away the mystique of what he is if right they threw a kim karn song in there kim karn song going you know he's got emotional eyes that would be <laughs> and uh, i'm about to do a zach segue but speaking of robert england he was in phantom of the opera with jill sholin <laughs> in uh whatever year that was what are your thoughts on jill sholin <laughs> <laughs> um i think she's great I've got this with me right now. Can you guys see Popcorn. That? Popcorn, baby. VHS. Not just VHS, but also promotional VHS. Wow. Did you Whoa. steal that from the place you worked? Ah. No. Ah. She didn't. Wow. She did, not, did not this one. Okay. Not that not one. This one. Got it. But look at that on the inside. You get all the the whole shebang. Ooh, wow. So it, it's, yeah. it's what Lemonade. now we do with DVDs or Blu-rays where there's liner notes on the inside of the sleeve. That's really cool. Yeah. A, re- a dealer price because this is the promotional one was forty four ninety five. Wow. Forty four ninety five pounds. Pounds. So it's probably like yeah. 80 at 90 bucks here. Horror with a sense of humor as in Tremors, Critters and Fright Night. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple laughs. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a fun movie. Yeah, can I have a few laughs? Yeah. I love you that they would compare laughs. through yeah. Tremors in there, though. I, I've always I know had... Tremors, yeah, I know. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? Tremors is so weird to me, not to digress here, but I just feel like Tremors gets, you know, like I watched it and I was like, okay, that was fine. But I feel like it's gotten so much bigger as time has passed. Like people reference it all the time. And I don't know if it's because... You know, Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon are are like making they have homemade like uh, pole vaults that they're using to kind of go across, and that's obviously iconic. But to me, that's not like a movie that I'm like, wow, what a what an amazing piece of cinema. And I feel like it's always referenced. <laughs> always, I feel like uh, people are always talking about it. Yeah, and it confuses me. I I feel exactly the same. I think it was something at the time. It was just something I watched and went, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. Mm. And I bought the VHS tape, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. But it feels like it's got bigger than it should have got yeah. in a way. Yeah. But, I mean, there's yeah, like there's, there's, there's like eight sequels, isn't there? There's, so many. Because Jamie Kennedy, he's in the <laughs> he's the star of the new one. Oh my god! <laughs> Talking about nineties, <90s, laughs> yeah. You're okay, Dustin. <laughs> it's just like, well, who's gonna who's gonna take the reins? You know, Kevin Bacon took the first one. Who's gonna who's gonna take the reins of this franchise? <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel I totally feel the same way. I feel like that movie uh, was kind of overhyped when it first came out, and I love the pairing of Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon. I think for sure the three of us equally mm. love those guys as actors, but there's something that kind of falls flat about it uh, at times. And uh, look, I've watched Tremors within uh, this year. I watched it this year again because. Corey on podcasting after dark was like, you know, he loves tremors. And, and I said, well, I'll, I'll give it a second go. Cause I haven't watched it since I saw it in the theater. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. 
but not to go gaga over it. No. Yeah, yeah, no. no. And I was just looking it up. It didn't make a lot of money. Like, it didn't it didn't no. have a great opening. It performed way lower than they wanted it to. So why would they keep making them? I don't know. I think it's those sequels. I think it's the sequels. And I remember the first one because it was all a big thing. The, but it was a thing at the time whether this, uh, the, the second one would go to theaters or VHS. Um, they had Fred Ward, but obviously didn't have Kevin Bacon for it. Um, that I think that hurt it, too. I think it did. Didn't even have Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre wasn't in the second one, I think. <laughs> you know. And then the third one's like, we've got Michael J. Gross. We've got Michael Gross. Him? You just added, Mike- a, you added a J, I think, to his name, because he was Michael I J. Did. Fox's dad. So you just yes, made him. <laughs> you just gave, kept it in the family. Isn't that what happens when you have a baby? You take the middle name of, of... <laughs> Michael J. Gross. Uh, whatever. Hey, who's the Italian? There's an Italian director, isn't there, in the pseudonym uh, for the films that he releases in America? Is Michael J. Paradise? Michael oh, J. Paradise. oh, that's like good. That yeah, that's. Yeah. We are jumping all over the place yet yeah, again. I just have are. to ask you a quick question. Thanks David, for coming about... in, David. Yes. Thanks so much. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks for uh, having me. Time, I appreciate but, it. Uh... Goodbye. <laughs> uh, so been a blast. in regards to Cockblocker, which you guys can get now, and the the links to uh, David's books are in the show notes, um, was there any homage or thought process behind Jill Sholin's cutting class that influenced this? <laughs> um, prob- probably not. Probably not. So what are your thoughts on Cutting Class? Well, I thought it was very interesting listening to you guys talk about Cutting Class, and I thought Dustin's opinion on it was extremely interesting. Um, I, I was very much in you. See, this is what we're talking about, the, the nostalgia of things mm-hmm. through time and how we experience things in different ways. And at the time when that came out, I felt exactly the way you did, Zach. I, I saw that thing and thought, what the hell is this? It just It just didn't live up to anything. And the stuff about the dad falling around with an arrow in his chest for like four days. I, I, I just I don't just remember that last bit where the old man walks in with an arrow hanging yeah. out and he goes, Have you been cutting class? It's like, really? Are we, <laughs> are we ended it like this? Let's bring it together. Dustin loves that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And and I and I thought it was absolutely dreadful. And uh and I went back last night and I watched the first half of it again. Uh it was pretty late last night, I didn't have time to finish it. But Boo. watching it again now, no, I'm, I'm, tonight I'm going <laughs> to watch the whole thing. I'm going to. You Dustin, don't. I don't care if you do or you don't. I'm just harassing you. <laughs> Dustin cares. He cares. I do not. He loves the film. He loves it. It's in his new top ten. It, as, listen, as far as bad movies go, it was almost perfect. See, this is the thing, though. At the time when we watched it, it was almost too bad to be a bad movie. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure and that, 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 that yeah, when you rented that, so you think about what else was out at the time because that came out. It was it was filmed when was it eighty seven, eighty six? Yeah, came out eighty nine, wasn't it? Ninety. Yeah. Was I mean, that ninety one? No, that was I think it was ninety one. No, pop popcorn was ninety one, wasn't was it? Was it? Oh, popcorn. What did we determine that yeah. popcorn and Thunder Alley? They came out the same year. Came out. No, Rich Girl actually. Months. Rich Girl came out. Rich Girl. Yeah, Rich Girl. Yeah. Ninety one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cutting class. I was like, this has everything that I love in a in a hor- horrific movie. Like, just yeah. But this is how I felt last night going back into it again. Um, where we have vinegar syndrome and synapse and all these boutiques were released, they make uh, events out of terrible films. Yes, and it kind of gives you uh, a new appreciation and an, a new love for them with a different point of view. You're you're not there at the time you rented this thing from Blockbuster for like 
2.50 and you've paid money to sit down one evening to watch it and, and, and you, you're watching Cut in Class. Like, this is this is terrible as a movie to rent, as a night's entertainment. Yes. But as a boutique, weird, retro 80s horror movie with Brad Pitt in it that you can pick up on Blu-ray, I'm watching it last night on, on the link. It was obviously a, a rip from a Blu-ray copy. I actually felt very different about it and I did see it through Dustin's eyes. I did. I didn't think I would. I didn't think I would, but I really did. I, I, because when I was listening to you, Dustin, I was thinking, is he? Is he must be nuts. Like, what's it? <laughs> what that kind class? Is it really? I did. I, just, I swear. Like, what, what's what's going on here? Watching it through but, Dustin's eyes. It's. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think we got a new segment on the show. Watching it through Dustin's eyes. <laughs> I love it. it yeah. It'd be very angry, very angry segment. It would, and then um, Zach's eyes would. There'd be no point because I try to find the silver lining in everything. Look, I don't know how far you got, but let's point out the fact that every teacher or adult in authority checks out her ass. Provocative. They totally do. I thought that single one. The guy. I got to the guy in the. No, I didn't. I tell you, the guy in the chemistry class when they're doing. They're mixing the science class yeah. or something, mixing yeah. stuff around. And that guy, he's on like an elevated desk, yeah. isn't he? And she walks in and he, and he checks out her yes. ass. And then when she's uh, doing the, uh, she's the model for the for the ske- yep. they're sketching and love the art class. Yeah. And yeah, he completely, he, like stands there, just yeah. blatantly stands there and just checks her out. In front, she's looking at him and he checks yeah. her, okay, yeah, fine. Let, let's, let's get on with this thing. This is all good. And, and you're thinking, but that's the weird thing. About, that's how I felt at the time, where it felt bizarre when I, right. when I first watched it. It's like, what is this it world? Because yes. it's not it's not set up to the extreme of being like a trauma film. Or that, that Like, those tropes would fit into a trauma yes. world perfectly. They would. But this doesn't go as hard as a trauma world. This, right. it, it still feels like, almost like we were saying, like a bit Saved by the Bell. Right. But Saved by the Bell with this streak of this perverted nature going through its veins at times. And that's that's what now that's what I saw originally. But watching it last night, I, I did I did I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I wanted, and I was engaged with it. And I didn't feel that the first time. And I think it was looking back at it with that nostalgia and just seeing Brad Pitt in that sports car, almost oh. cream a kid on a tricycle. And then that fact, I forgot by complete. I forgot about that, but when it happened, it all came flooding back. I was like, "I remember this. I remember this." Which is very trauma esque that moment, uh, because in but in trauma they would have hit the kid. Yeah. They, they killed the kid. Yeah, yeah. They they didn't get yeah. points for it. Get like points for it. Oh, Avenger. that disturbed me. <laughs> um, but but you know, it, you you hit on a really good point. If you take the cast out of this movie, the star caliber of the cast, and just replace it with a bunch of quote unquote unknowns. This would be a, just a straight up trauma movie, but but then you yeah. add the yeah. element of all these. At in eighty nine, Jill Sholin is a very no, like noticeable, well known actor. Martin Mull, mm. obviously, Roddy McDowell, and then I, Brad Pitt was new, but Donovan Letch, I think he had done some stuff prior to this. I think he had, so he was well known too. You've got this quality of acting in it where you're like, oh, it's got to be great, and then you watch it first time viewing from the video store and go, Oh, this is garbage. Hmm. But I think the perspective now being a boutique label like vinegar syndrome or synapse you, you mentioned, um, or Vestron, you're actively seeking these movies out. And when you actively hmm. seek it out and you know, going in, it's not going to be good or it's, there's going to be a qual. It's not going to be good, but there's going to be a quality about it that makes it good enough to be released by these companies. Then you get a new a pass. context. Yeah. 
there's a new context of the awfulness. The awfulness becomes charm just because of who it's being released Agreed. by, how it's being released. And the audience they're going for, it, it, it turns into something different. Yeah. So I really did. I, re I, I really did flip-flop. I flip-flopped completely. Wow. Because I think you saw it. That was the last time you saw it, wasn't it, Zach? That was the last, you saw it, you rented it. So that I watched it with time. my buddy Terry. Uh, so I, I went to go visit my buddy Terry in Texas. He and his wife and daughter moved there uh, a little while back and haven't visited them. And then we flew out for his 40th or 50th. 50th birthday. And I told him we have this upcoming episode on Jill Sholin. We're going to do all Jill Sholin movies. He's like, bro, okay, which one are, are we going to watch them all? And we're both parents. So it came down to which one are we going to watch? Because none of us, because we both realized we have to get up early for our kids. Uh, and so it, 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 at first it was, oh, let's watch that was then. This is now. We both love that movie. But then we said, well, we should probably watch one we haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time. Let's watch Popcorn. Well, I watched that one about six months ago in the theater at Arrow in Santa Monica. Okay, let's watch Cutting Class. Dude, yeah, I've never seen Cutting Class. That's what Terry says. I haven't seen Cutting Class since VHS days. Okay, let's watch it. And then we both watch it, and he's like, bro, this is terrible. And I think I, that's when I text Dustin at the time. I'm like, don't bother watching Cutting Class. And then, of course, that is the reason why Dustin goes and watches Cutting <laughs> Had Class. Had you because... not texted me, I would not have watched I I wouldn't have yeah. watched it. I wouldn't have yeah. watched it. That's the way it yeah. works in our relationship. Yeah. I tell him not to do something, and he you're definitely like, does You're like, do not bother. Because you, you, you never emphasize something in that way. I never have. You know, I've watched some of the worst movies. You've said nothing, right? You've, like, you've said nothing. So the fact that you're like, this is real bad trash, I'm like, I got to I got to I got to put it on. I got to put it on. <laughs> and then I wa and then I, I yeah, so he watches it. He loves it. I was like my jaw dropped like what did I just watch? And so but spoiler, I've rewatched the movie since we've interviewed Jill, since Dustin talked about how much he You loved watched it. it again. I watched it a thrice time. <laughs> well, for somebody who doesn't have <laughs> any time, you have a lot of time to watch well, a it, lot it of is movies. On, it is on YouTube, and you can watch it at 1.25 speed. So Which you just, you just learned about 1.25 speed yesterday, so that does not apply. And, and so, no, that's true. No. I watched it at a regular speed, and, and it was, and I actually enjoyed it more for certain scenes. And I, I love Martin Mull in this, and the exploitation of Jill Sholin is so obvious, uh, and I think that's what I have a harder time with in 2023 uh, that I probably wouldn't have had an issue with back in the day. But I love Roddy McDowell. I mark out hard for Roddy McDowell. He can do no wrong in my book. And seeing him as a perverted principal actually put a smile on my face. And if you don't Roddy know, if you don't know what mark out means, you should listen to Territory Marks. Because prior to Territory Marks, you never used that phrase ever and now nope. and now it's in every episode so if you guys are like what does that mean it means you like something in a nerdy way or something you, you, yeah pretty much you nerd out on it nerd out mark out we'll mark out hardcore yeah um but but david you listened to the yeah. the two dollar six question segment with jill what is your take on her uh comparing cutting class to the scream franchise i think i think there's something there but i would say scream definitely took more have you guys seen a movie called the return to horror high in 1982 crippen high school was the scene of a series of brutal savage murders the homicidal maniac who committed the crimes 
was never captured. Now, he's about to return. to Horror High. It's a scream. Yes. The the poster is uh, the a skeleton. with a skeleton face. George Clooney's in it, I believe, right? George Clooney's in it. Yeah, yeah. George Clooney's in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But that that's very much, that's more scream than cutting class. But if you take, I mean, I, I, I would say, I would say very much popcorn. There's more mm-hmm. uh, popcorn. Yeah. Uh, uh, in Scream than Cutting Class, but horror definitely horror high. I, I would say all of those things were seen and noted by Kevin Williamson when he wrote Scream. You have a better knowledge about that than than we do. Has Kevin Williamson ever mentioned those movies? No. To the best Not, of your knowledge, I, he he mentions Friday the Thirteenth Part Six because that's quite hmm. self-referential hmm. and aware. True. Um, yeah. He mentions that, but I don't think he's mentioned those films um but i can see i mean it, it's if you watch enough of this stuff you can see a, a line through that that connects them together yeah david is you know david for those of you that are hearing david for the first time uh he very much taps into the same vein that dustin and i do and Corey does in podcasting after dark we're all related in some weird way uh and and his love of horror and horror knowledge is really deep and uh, completely, I personally completely trust your opinion when it comes to hot takes like, you know, the ones you have on certain movies or certain franchises for that matter. And you are, you're a fan of the Scream franchise, right? I, again, flip-flopping through time. Mm. I loved them when they first came out. I saw the first one. I actually, (laughs) right, I saw Wes Craven's New Nightmare in cinema 11 times. Wow. 11 times. Yeah. I I can remember being in the cinema to watch because I really loved Wes Craven when I was a kid. I mean, I still do. I mean, I go have, like when you guys are doing the Carpenter Factor on on pad, in my mind, I'm very much, is it Carpenter? Is it Craven? Is it Carpenter? Is it Craven? But at the time when I was a kid, it was definitely Craven. And that for me was when that film came out because I I missed the Freddy films at the theatre because I wasn't old enough to go and see them. Yeah. But when that came out, it was like, now I need to pounce on this because this might not happen again. This is the end. This could be the end. And in a way, it was the end of the line of those new line Freddy films. Yeah. And uh, I really made the most out of it. And I, I can remember being in that because it didn't do any business, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And I remember no, being in that cinema. Sadly. sadly, yeah. And I remember being in that cinema. I remember being the only person in there during some of those screenings watching it wow. and, and uh, the usher had come in walking around and uh, I remember at one point they come up to me and said do you, do you really want to watch this again because we could just turn it off and we could just go and do something else wow. and I was like no I, I really I really want to watch it and they're like okay fine okay. and so okay. they were literally just sc- screening the thing for me but then Scream came out and then Scream I, I watched Scream 17 times wow <laughs> in the theater we're talking 90, 98 right in Didn't the that theater 96 97 96 i think you guys got it 96 we got it 97 it, it there was there was a difference in time somehow okay um i, I think that's correct well i could be wrong on 17 that, but, times yeah. i definitely that was the most 17 because oh, i kept i saw wow. it and i loved it because it was everything that I, I really felt like i missed those horror films and slash films of the 80s because I, I feel like it was something that went by my sister used to come home from the cinema I, I remember the night my sister came home from the cinema and she looked traumatized 
and she walked in and my mum was said to her, what, what, what the hell is wrong with you? And she goes, I've seen the scariest film ever. And my mum said, what, what, what was it? Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a guy and he appears in your dream. If he kills you uh -huh. in your dreams. You die. And as a kid, I was like, what the hell is this? And, and, and she was, she saw all of them. She saw the Freddy, she saw the, uh, the, the nightmares, everything that came out. And so that kind of, I mean, horror was dead essentially in the early nineties. It was director video or director hell. You just, nothing yeah. was going on in the theaters. Right. A few John Carpenter ones that you guys, uh, you and uh, Corey have reviewed Zach, but there wasn't much else going on. Tales from the Crypt movie, things like, but just odd things here and there. So when that research, when that came, when, when New Nightmare came, when Scream came out, especially, I felt like I, I need to jump on this because I, I get to relive that moment in time through this, yes. yeah. which I couldn't experience then because I wasn't old enough, but my sister did. And I had the secondhand experience from my sister and I just, I really wanted that for myself. So I, I went in with Scream and I loved it at first and I saw the first three. And then horror kind of became more brutal after that. There was like the Hills of Eyes remake, it went in a different direction. And when you went back to look at Scream, even a few years after it came out, it felt weak. It, it didn't feel as, as rough and as raw as the new kind of horror that's coming out. And I didn't necessarily like that stuff, but Scream, it just felt, I don't know, it didn't do the, the same thing. But then when Scream 4 came out, and that was Wes Craven's last film, I think that was 2013, I really liked Scream 4. And that really, it just, it, it, it re-engaged those feelings again of, oh, yeah, like, I, I want to go to the cinema and see these types of films. Mm -hmm. right. And then you have nothing. But when they when Scream 5 came out a couple of years ago, and even though it wasn't directed by Wes Craven, it feels, they, they got it right. They got the, the feeling of that film completely right. And it feels like a Wes Craven film. And that, <laughs> I, I, I can genuinely say, I in the cinema for Scream 5, I was on the edge of my seat during that film wow and i just got all those feelings again like this is this is i love this no i forgot kidding. how much i love this but i love it and cool. then scream six came out and scream six is is better than scream five they did a really good job of really that. okay i promise are you guys i really this is why i keep saying you guys have got to do the, the craven connection because i want you to do those as bonus episodes i want you to watch those screams. the films. craven factor so for everyone who's not familiar on Podcasting After Dark's Patreon, which you can check out as well, uh, Corey and I do The Carpenter Factor, where we pretty much go through the entire filmography of John Carpenter, starting with Halloween and ending with The Ward, uh, in, I think in 2017 or 2016. I forget when that movie came out. Anyways, and then we will move on to another auteur. The, the sec, the, it's also called The Auteur de Force. And so... David's been pushing for Wes Craven. Whether he comes up or not is to be determined in later on this year because we're wrapping up John Carpenter at the end of this year on The Carpenter Factor. I think that Jill really set a precedent for final girls in those 90s horror movies. I think she's a great final girl. I think, I think she... I, I mean, if you look how the final girls changed... I mean, I mean, in the '80s, Final Girls, you had the the Linnea Quigley and Michelle Bauer and the Scream Queen kind of thing, and the horror had kind of gone that way. Yeah. But definitely for me, when I saw Popcorn, she was a big part of why I liked that film because I hadn't seen Cutting Class or or Chiller or, or any of the other films that I, I gave you, I gave you guys questions, and I hadn't seen them up to that point. But when I saw Popcorn, because she kind of fit that mold of a new leading lady in a horror type film like Winona Ryder in 
Beetlejuice. She was very much against type, being this dark-haired, dark-eyed, gothic girl um, as the lead character. And I felt when I saw Popcorn, Jill was kind of an extension from that in that movie. Like, this is the new variation on a final girl. And Mm. I didn't know this until recently that Fangoria, when they reviewed Popcorn, they said they they called her um, the thinking man's screen queen. Mm. And... Mm. I, I get what they're they're trying to say with that. Interesting. And if you and, and and if you see how the final girls morphed in those films, like I'm talking about these '90s slashers, and you had like Neve Campbell and uh, and uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and people like that, it, it's kind of that. I think Jill fits. She's kind of the precursor for that. And I think if she had stayed around, she would have fit into those films perfectly. I think there I think there was a role for her in those films. And she had the pedigree for it from doing the early 90s stuff. She could have easily transitioned into the late 90s stuff. It's a really good point. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting about her because you brought up Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I mm. think about Winona Ryder and Jill Sholin and how, yeah. not that their their careers are the same, but I but two brunettes, two uh women starring it well winona didn't do like necessarily slasher type movies um but no. but but if she did but it, but it was films that connected to the horror genre wasn't it it was like the, the tim burton early tim burton stuff connected quite easily yeah to and the heathers horror genre. edward scissorhands absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and heathers is obviously a you know tongue-in-cheek you could put that next to cutting class as a nice double feature that oh would be definitely yeah. they would fit perfect that's a dream combination yeah. in a way isn't it those two they fit very nicely together but you had you had um Feruza from the craft as well oh, yeah. like you kind of go into that and um i don't know if dustin i know dustin knows of a certain depth of bad films which you know but i think zach goes to a whole new well when zach's referencing not george clooney first in in your cast of characters there's there's a whole different depth but do you do you do you remember do you remember mirror mirror do you remember mirror mirror the movie sure do, do. you remember that Dustin? i didn't no i didn't see that 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 that's pretty that's what that one's you know there's there's director video and that that's pretty much director hell um <laughs> i think our but, i think yeah. our co- uh jim walker did the score for mirror mirror or he did some songs for that's mirror right mirror. Yeah. yeah he did some songs for it yeah he that's did. right yeah. um he um do you remember rainbow harvest in the the lead girl from oh mirror mirror okay I didn't and know she looks she was like yeah yeah she's a winona clone isn't she they they hired her they, they, she walked in and they went, okay, yeah, we, we want you. Rainbow and Harvest. They got a, Rainbow Harvest. What yeah. a name. I don't know <laughs> At first I'm like, is that a new uh, kind of avant-garde Oh, that's film? weird, dude. It's like she's been, it's like they just took Winona's DNA. Yeah, I made a new one and called it Rainbow Harvest. Oh, that's really, that's, that, that's creeping me out. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, I think about I think about Winona's resurgence in Stranger Things, and Jill is moving back into the film. She's film business again. She's she's making some projects that she'll talk about at a later date on our show. Uh, and I look at them. And I'm like, why can't they they cast her as this is my armchair casting? Cast her as like the mm-hmm. sister of of Winona Ryder's character in Stranger Perfect. Things. 
That would be amazing. You would completely accept it. You would accept it as well. You would yeah, accept it. Those two side by side, you'd completely accept it. Yeah. I would love yeah, that. I, and, I agree. And she hasn't changed uh, from from what you see on screen. It's pretty darn close to what you see in the interview that we did with her, in the $2 six question segment we did with her. There's just a unique... Oh, you're talking about Jill. I'm, I was so confused. I was like, Rainbow Harvest? We... We were we didn't interview her. No, I was letting go of Rainbow Harvest. Rain, there's Rainbow Acres. There's a health food store near me called Rainbow Acres, and I was like, "Are you talking about the health food store?" Dust? Rainbow yes. Harvest sounds like a brand we're of bread. We're talking about Sorry. the health food store. The new Rainbow Harvest. Did you look? But look bread. at a picture of Rainbow Harvest. It's creepy. I thought I was looking at Winona Ryder. Yeah, completely. Well, they they tried to do the same thing with um, Feruza for. Uh, what was the director video? Little right. If you Dustin, look up Little Witches. Little Witches VHS. Uh, I think it's ninety six. And just look at the front cover. The old Little Witches. Amazing. Wow. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Rainbow Harvest, for sure. It's amazing. Little Witches. Yeah. Everybody listening, you know, you're like, was this Tales from the Video Store? Yeah, it was, but this is more of a freeform discussion this month. Um, you guys, we are going to be covering a very popular movie in October. Uh, we interviewed this guy a couple months ago who's in the movie, and, and I think I'm not, I'm going to be kind of coded with yeah. what I talk about. Uh, but you'll you'll get that idea. But maybe, David, you could join us in October to talk about some of your favorite VHS horror films to talk about. Oh, most definitely. Let's, I think we did that today, but let's do yeah. it again in October. <laughs> we did do that today. <laughs> we did, but like, let's just continue this conversation. We'll just recycle it with a new intro in October. Right. Yeah, Same perfect. discussion. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, David, lovely having you on. You're a brother from another yes. coast. Thank you, David. Continent. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you. We'll see you again uh, in the very near future. I hope so. I love talking to you guys. We love you more. listening to the Geekscape Network.